Hello, and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, quipster.net. You can find the written form of this review, as well as over 3,600 others, at my website, qwipster.net. Uh, the movie I'm going to be talking about today is called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It's a 2015 release. It's a uh, serial comic uh, film, so uh, drama and comedy. Um, PG-13 for sexual content, drug material, language, and some thematic elements. It runs an hour and 44 minutes. It stars Thomas Mann and Olivia Cook, along with uh, R.J. Seiler, uh, Nick Offerman in a supporting role, along with Connie Britton, Molly Shannon, John Bernthal, Catherine C. Hughes, Bob A. J. Thompson, and um, Massim Holden. Uh, it's directed by Alfonso Gomez Rejon, his first uh, feature film, um, but he's done uh, TV work, uh, most notably in, in shows like American Horror Story. Uh, the screenplay is by Jesse Andrews, and it's based on his own novel that came out in 2012. Um, those of you who do follow um, films, especially uh, smaller films or indie films, um, probably have heard of Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It was the buzz of the 2015 Sundance Film Festival back in January, and it would... Uh, go on to win both the Grand Jury Prize as well as the Audience Award for Drama. And I think that that's for a good reason, um, because I think that this movie emerges as one of the better films of its type that I've ever seen. And that's, <laughs> what type is it? Well, it's whether we're talking about either young adult fiction or, you know, chronic disease tearjerkers. Um, it's an indie film and it's quirky, as you might expect. It has some studio sensibilities to it. Um, to me, obviously, uh, the biggest way that it shows its studio sensibilities is that it goes for that PG-13 rating. Um, it actually uh, bleeps out some of the F-bombs that are in the film, probably, to get that PG-13 rating. And um, uh, in my readings of the movie, it uh, turns out the, that the book by uh, Jesse Andrews is actually quite a bit more raunchy. would have definitely been R-rated had it been a... Uh, a more faithful adaptation. Perhaps the screenplay was like that, but um, Fox Searchlight, who picked up the film after Sundance for about $12 million, um, probably sees this as potentially a, a, a pretty decent-sized hit. Um, and also, it, uh, it it's one of those movies that has um, a solid cast and great production specs, and that alone may give it enough momentum to perhaps land a nomination or two come Oscar time, um, if you remember last year, the Sundance Darling uh, Whiplash would also do the same thing, same trajectory, perhaps, I, I guess that's what they're thinking here, um, to go as far as maybe even getting a Best Picture nomination. I, it really would will depend on the strength of uh, the films that come out this year, but um, it, it does have potential, I'll give it that. I, I, I do believe that this is a movie that cares about its subject, and it's also made by filmmakers that really do care about the subject as well, but also those filmmakers also uh, care about filmmaking, and that's what makes it a cut above the others. Um, there's uh, The way that it's crafted is really lovingly done, and I think that those people who really uh, enjoy Wes Anderson for his attention to detail in almost every frame of his films will probably come away uh, having that similar vibe here. I don't think that it's deliberately trying to uh, crib off of Wes Anderson per se, 
I do feel like the uh, all of the the attention to detail, all of the rich little touches, and all of the um, the way that the film is shot really uh, gets into it's woven into the fabric and the themes of the story. And I think that all of it uh, contributes to making it one of the richer and more tender films about teenagers that I've seen in many years. Thomas Mann is the star. He plays a uh, a 12th grader in Pittsburgh named Greg, and he spends a good part of his days trying to fly under the radar among his peers at school. And he's not trying to fit in uh, so much as trying not to stand out. So he does just enough to... to, uh, be friendly with everyone, but not really be friends with everyone. Despite it all, he's his lifelong best friend. His name is Earl, um, but he doesn't refer to him as a friend. He refers to him as a coworker because, because uh, not only because he doesn't want to commit to anything definitive, but because they spend a good deal of their spare time together, not only watching classic films, but also they create films. They, they make their own uh, silly spoof home movies based on them. And uh, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Be Kind, Rewind, uh, certainly you'll get a lot of deja vu in the way that uh, Greg and Earl make their movies as well. Uh, so uh, Greg's mother is um, can be somewhat overbearing, and I think that uh, she sees that Greg seems a little bit disconnected and kind of uh, aimless, and so she thinks it's important for Greg to make some sort of connection with somebody, and so she begins to cajole Greg into visiting a uh, fellow classmate named Rachel, and he he barely knows her. He knows who she is, but doesn't really know her that well. And she's recently been diagnosed with stage four leukemia, and so he begrudgingly agrees to uh, spend at least one day with her and try to uh, to get to know her and spend some time with her because she's feeling fairly despondent. And by doing so, soon they form a unique friendship, and. Uh, you know, as, as it goes along that the young men, both Greg and Earl, decide that they're going to make a film just for Rachel and uh, perhaps hoping that it will give her the strength that she needs for this um, pretty long and arduous battle ahead with her cancer. Uh, Alfonso Gomez Rejon, uh, he's, you know, th- this is a really wonderfully directed movie. It's shot very handsomely by Korean cinematographer Chung Chung Hoon. And uh, I, I particularly lo- particularly like the long takes that he uses in this movie. It's so refreshing and rare to see a movie not be kind of frenetic um, for a teen film these days. Um, usually they try to be very quirky and tongue-in-cheek. And this film plays a lot more uh, with a, a little bit of melancholy, a little bit of bittersweet elements, and sometimes out-and-out comedy, but does it in a very... Uh, uh, rich way, and so um, th- there's a lot of use of close-ups as well that I think that uh, you don't find in too many movies these days. And I, I personally think that this really should be the quintessential blueprint from which uh, teen films in the future should draw from, because it really knows, you know, R- Gomez Rajon really knows how to balance comedy and drama r- just right. Um, uh, many scenes are full of laughs, but also full of that melancholy underneath that really I think drives both parts of the story both the comedy and the drama and and does it with this real sumptuous visual panache that I think that enhances the tone without being one of those movies that are really overbearing and uh, overly stylized 
but still maintaining a, a rich sense of style. Um, Jesse Andrews, as I mentioned, did the script from his own uh, first novel, and uh, like most that fair, uh, most of the fair that deals with high school, it, it really has a lot of colorful characters. Some of them are broadly defined, uh, especially the cliques. Um, those are very stereotypical, but I think that the richness of the material beyond this archetypical uh, uh, slate of supporting characters in, uh, that inhabit the bulk of the story is where the the good stuff really presides. Now, obviously, you're dealing with film a film about uh, a girl, seventeen uh, year old with stage four leukemia. It's a heavy subject. And, um, but I think, and I think people go into the movie expecting it's going to be this great big tearjerker and they're going to be crying throughout. Um, but I, I, this movie really never cloys and it doesn't really become too stifling in, in its sadness. It does, it doesn't yank on your heartstrings, uh, in a, in any kind of obvious way. I think it, it actually tries to rail against, uh, getting you too sad and, and, possibly losing the tone of, of some of the comedy because I, I feel I mean the comedy is good it's really it's really well played and it's a very witty film and I think that um, you'll come away laughing perhaps even more than you might even shed a tear during the movie um, by the end of the movie I think it you'll come out of the theater you know truly appreciating life and I think that that's the biggest compliment that I can give it when you come out of this movie, and reflect on who you are, the friends you have, the family you have, uh, the things in your life that maybe you, uh, the, the the details that you tend to lose because you're so absorbed in your day-to-day frustrations. Um, this movie really is one of those uh, movies that really puts everything in perspective. And it's not just about um, somebody with a disease. It's really about life, and it's about youth, and it's about future and it's about connections and i think that all of those things that we hold dear uh, it makes you really appreciative of those and i think that you know it's enriching and more than anything else that's the that's the thing that i want to say to you um it's really nicely cast thomas mann i think does a really wonderful job inhabiting what is an obviously idealized character you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a character like greg in real life but uh, in the world that Gomez Rajon and Andrews construct, uh, which seems to be peppered with Greg's peculiar worldview, his character makes sense. Whether it's realistic or not, all of it kind of fits together in this world. Um, this, this, this life of a teenager in Pittsburgh, you know, you're probably, if you take a typical teenager in Pittsburgh or anywhere else probably, um, you're not likely to find another Greg. Greg is really unique. This film is unique. His world is unique. And so I think that it all kind of comes together. Uh, Olivia Cook, uh, who I think is destined for stardom, I've seen her do in her work uh, on TV's Bates Motel. She's really good there. Um, but she's done a couple of horror movies that are not as good. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and some sci-fi as well. And this is really her first foray into something more, I think, mainstream, you know, that's not really a, uh, a genre piece. Um, she looks like she's going to be in a Tim Burton film. He, he, he looks, she looks like the type, maybe the next Christina Ricci type. Um, I think she certainly takes a step in a better direction here, certainly than those weak horror films that she's been appearing in thus far. And, um, 
The one thing that I would say is that she's far too pretty to really buy as some sort of ugly duckling. For some reason, in, in Bates Motel, too, she always plays, like, the non-hot girl, but yet she is just as beautiful as the other girl. So, uh, But nevertheless, she does carry the weight of the subtle poignancy of the part, which I think is much more important. So you can kind of buy, even though she she continuously feels that she's some sort of ugly duckling, and you never buy it. I mean, obviously, and Greg, I would think, would probably fall in love with her, and, and who's to say he doesn't in this movie? I won't give it away, but um, uh, certainly... Uh, for a geeky young man, I would think that uh, someone like her would be the ideal choice, but I would say, thankfully, she never overdoes the role for cheap theatrics. Not that Gomez Rejon would is really interested in tearjerker moments, like I said. Uh, I think he just wants it to be a bittersweet experience uh, of this rich and promising life that potentially might be snuffed out by this disease before it could really blossom into something special. Uh, it's probably not a huge surprise that critics, uh, film critics, as well as those uh, fanatics of film festivals, like those that go to Sundance, would eat this movie up. Um, after all, a good part of this storyline involves great classic films and their filmmakers. Uh, Werner Herzog uh, especially gets a lot of mentions in this movie. Uh, there's visual and audio nods to Sergio Leone and Martin Scorsese and Alfred Hitchcock and other giants of filmdom. And I think that surely any movie this cinema literate is going to tap right into the minds of movie lovers. I would figure that so- most of you who are listening to my podcast today uh, probably rank among those. And some of that some of that probably will be lost on more mainstream audiences who won't get all of the references. I, I can t- assure you, I've I've spent 20 years reviewing films. I didn't get every single one of the references to the movies. I got most of them, but um, this really digs pretty deep in terms of uh, in terms of films. Um, so you may not get all of the references to the various spoofs on films that the young men do create. Um, I, if there's a problem here, I think for some people it might be that there, it seems it really strains the be- believability somewhat to see uh, high schoolers choose to, in their spare time, continuously watch films like uh, B- Burden of Dreams, this doc- Burden of Dreams, this documentary of uh, Werner Herzog and his filmmaking experience, or a, a John Frankenheimer film called Seconds, which is really kind of obscure to those people who didn't take film studies in college. Um, you know, if you didn't, you know, if you buy that kids would watch all of these great obscure films, uh, <laughs> without going to film school first, um, then your ability to believe is much more, uh, it's, it's much greater than mine. But, um, I suppose they do exist somewhere. I mean, so it, it's rare that a, a lifelong film lover like me hasn't come across anybody remotely like Gregor Earl as a teenager, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just hanging around the wrong circles. But I would say that if if this film really lights a fire in the teens that watch it to give these classic movies, these obscure movies, these great filmmakers a shot, why not? Hey, it's worth the narrative indulgence, especially as this is really a film underneath it all about finding hidden gems of expression. So why not find hidden gems in movies that's what this movie really is about. It's about noticing the details in life and seeing all of the richness of every person's life. Um, and there's a great reward for those who are diligent enough to act- actively seek them out. 
you know, we meet Greg, and he's just trying to coast through life and not get too involved. And yet, uh, he finds great richness when he ultimately learns that there's more detail to every single person that he meets there's, that is much more enriching to him in the end. And I think that that's really what the movie, at least to me, is about. I, everybody is probably subject to their own interpretation, but that's what I draw from it. Me and Earl and the, and the Dying Girl, I think is it's a it's a quirky, uh, probably fairly romanticized look at one's teenage years from the vantage point of uh, the learned and educated adults that make it. Um, there, but I think there's too many interesting themes and and uh, touching uh, moments to not be won over by the overall absor- absorbing experience of viewing it, especially in the clever and thoughtful presentation from a truly wonderful directorial effort by Gomez Rajon. If you are somebody who's a sucker for these kind of teenage films, I have the serious subtext, uh, especially like The Perks of Being a Wallflower, uh, which you might be reminded of not only for its subject matter, but also because it's set in Pittsburgh and it has a lot of this uh, similar locales. Um, or if you enjoyed a, a movie, kind of a tearjerker movie, in a similar vein, like The Fault in Our Stars, I would say Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is one that you cannot miss. It outshines those movies in so many ways that I, I think that um, it's, you know, those movies were good, but this one's just exceptional. And it's really witty as well. This is... There's probably going to be few comedies that I watch this year that make me laugh as much as this film. It's really a funny movie. So don't be too off-put by the subject matter. Now, it is idealized, I realize. And despite its its idealistic look at uh, young people these days, I think that beyond that, it's a still as honest a film about this melancholia of not only dealing with terminal diseases, but also the feelings of angst in our days of youth. It's much more poignant than anything that I've seen in theaters in recent memory. I think ultimately at the end of the film, it's the kind of movie that, and and quite fittingly given the themes that I've mentioned, it's one of those movies, and this will make more, um, this will have more meaning to you if you actually see the film, it's the movie that keeps unfolding in your mind long after the credits roll by. And so uh, I, I can't recommend this much higher than I do here. I'm giving this film four stars. It's my first four-star review of any film that was released in 2015. Um, and uh, so I will put it at the top of my list so far for the films uh, going on this year, you can uh, actually, if you go to my website, you can see my top 10 films of every year since I think 1972 that I've seen. Uh, I also mentioned notable films that I haven't seen. Those will be on the list below. But And I try to get around to them when I can, but um, it's really hard to do when you're juggling life and movies and uh, upcoming releases in addition to the old movies. So, um, But for right now, this is sitting at number one. Uh, will it be number one at the end of the year? Time will tell. I, d- I don't think so. I don't think it's as strong as many number ones that I've seen, but um, it's almost a sure lock to be in my top ten.
So I would recommend this quite highly. Um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, look for it. I think it it is being uh, released officially on June 12th in the United States. I'm not sure about other places around the world if you're a listener outside of the U.S., but um, it is definitely one I think that you should mark down and take a look at because it's it's a very funny and very uh, it's a, it's a movie that even right as I'm speaking about it a day after seeing it uh, it's it's been on my mind a good part of today and probably fills me with more uh, feeling for it afterward a day afterward than I I had while watching it and I had good feelings while watching it so it's really affecting me um, anyway. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, you can write to me if you uh, if you do end up seeing this film and enjoying it. Please write to me and let me know what you thought. You can uh, uh, send me an email. My email is quipster at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at quipster. You can like me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash quipster.net, or go to my website, quipster.net. The spelling for quipster is with a W, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you truly enjoy your time at the movies. And I think that if you go see Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, you definitely will. Until next time, uh, San Andreas will be up next. So keep a subscription on this one. Click the subscribe button. Review me on iTunes. I truly would appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Bye.